The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over 45 weeks, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network and the House Show podcast proudly presents to you this look at the decade of decadence. A little indulgence for your day, as we bring Saturday night to whenever you damn well please. So let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The Master Library, Kevin, it's Tricky Hellions. The Educator of Access. And Sweet Maddie Treats. As they bring to you Saturday night's main event, the House Show Podcast Way. Welcome everyone to another edition of the House Show. It is me as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I am joined by my trio stack team partners to my left is none other than the educator of excellence. Educator, how, how are you doing? Oh, baby, let me tell you, it has been an absolute crazy week. My school district finally threw in the towel with a number of positive cases of staff and students and have gone completely all remote until after winter break. So we're talking like late February now. So all in winter remote or winter remote session now. Finished first uh, semester kids, driver education, all they all successfully passed and earned their certificates. Now we're getting gearing up for semester two full remote, then putting in crazy, crazy hours at the game store. Um, crazy hours at the game store due to the fact that one of my coworkers at the game store had a positive test for COVID. So now it's essentially just the store owner and I running the place for the last two weeks just been absolutely nuts absolutely crazy normally i uh, would have a uh, for my little side hustle here at the game store i would collect a check for like 28 hours every two weeks because i would close two nights and then work on saturday um i'm already at 51 hours for this particular oh days of working so it's crazy is your superintendent at the uh at the school uh arnold scotland <laughs> no <laughs> well you're throwing in the towel there iron chic saying you know it's over and then the educator backland here giving up losing the title so no all right no. uh to my right you heard his voice you hear it every monday on either the run-in or what's the other one you do the hot tag hot tag mr Kevin Hellions. You know what? You're you're known as Mr. WrestleMania for the at odds with wrestling contest. So uh Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh so the weird thing is as educators updating us on his school district, we're far enough away. Uh, my kid's in a different school district, and he's going back to school Monday as we record this. Oh, really? Just different things going on in different areas, yeah. I mean, we'll see how long it lasts, you know. <laughs> Maybe it'll only last two weeks or so. I also want you guys to know, in case you're worried, 
that the perimeter around my house is safe officially. Uh, I did not know that it was in danger, Kevin. I didn't know either until I got a phone call in the middle of the night from neighbors saying, hey, I hear someone at my window. Can you come look? I think someone's trying to break in. Okay. So there was a, I, I got up and uh, just a, a nice little image for you and for the listeners. I sleep naked. So I had to go find all of my clothes, head out of the house. Thankfully, there was a light dusting of snow on the ground, and I could see the tracks of someone right in front of our house. And the two dogs that they were walking that apparently had a fight and went up against the windows and up against the house. Which is absolutely what she heard. But I brought a weapon with me. Brought a weapon with me. (laughs) Was this before or after you put pants on? (laughs) Same. (laughs) I brought my kids a mini lacrosse stick with me. That was the only thing I could find in short notice. (laughs) What the hell are you doing with a lacrosse stick? Two things mini lacrosse, together. mini training lacrosse stick. Here, uh, can you guys see what it says and guess who got it for me? Navy lacrosse. I'm gonna have to say it was uh, Dave Hellions. Dave yes. Hellions. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Hellions coming through in the clutch. Good old Mr. America, Dave Hellions. Um, Kevin, when did your life turn into a sitcom? Oh, jeez, how long have you guys known me? There's always been sitcom-based things, just depending on what network was able to carry it. Yeah, that is right. Um, I would always come in with my money-making scheme of the week for a while there. Uh, and here we are not making money, guys, doing everything for free. So, um, Very interesting. I mean, a, a tale of two cities right there. So, uh, Much different lives. You, you, uh, educator, do you sleep in the buff? Um, no, not really. There's always at least one layer. If, one layer? Yeah. If it if it helps any, I don't go to bed naked. I just wake up naked. <laughs> Wait, what? Just kicking off clothes by I, layer. I, I sleep uh, strip. Some people sleepwalk. I sleep you, strip. Do you, what are you, shedding skin like you're a snake? What the <laughs> hell's going on? <sighs> We'll talk about 24-inch pythons, Kevin. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm like you, Kevin. I, I, I tend to lose clothes as the night goes on as well. So, but I live alone, so <laughs> it's nice, Kevin. That king-sized battle to myself. Um, but a, a couple things I do want to bring up, guys. Uh, as as you guys know, you know, educator here talking about you know you, you got you got lovely children, as everyone knows, a, a family man. Uh, Kevin also with Declan X, a YouTube sensation. Um, I don't have children. Um, so I have, you know, turned my hobbies or, or child rearing to rearing my wrestling buddies. So, wow, that was a bad choice of words. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have the wrestling buddies, of course. Um, and we're going to have an update on Wrestling Buddies next week Ooh. on next week's episode. Oh, uh, but uh, I have gone down that rabbit hole, guys, of collecting these friggin' AEW figures, and it is bad. Spending money, baby. I was going to say, did you spend more money? It's really bad, guys. Yeah. So, obviously, I had Series 1, most of Series 1, thanks to the educator. 
um, who got me five of the six. Of course, we were missing the brandy. But don't worry, I ordered that off of eBay. Oh, okay. I'm sure, I'm so sure that's coming. Cheap closeout deal for it. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Brandy's a very expensive person. So, so I hear. Uh, so, so we got that coming to us. Uh, I was able to find most of Series 2 at my local Walmart, okay? Um, but I had to order the John Moxley off of eBay. Regular John Mox off of eBay? Yeah, just the regular John Mox. And then when I got it, I noticed the box was a little bent, so I ordered another one off of eBay. You returned the one that was bent, got a replacement one, you mean? Wait, you can do returns? <laughs> No, can you? I'm being yeah. serious. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, how? I don't get a receipt, do I? No, you just contact the person that sold yeah. it and said this didn't show up in correct condition and you work it out between you. Right. I've had some of them like this is cheap. <sighs> just keep the keep the bad one and I'll just refund your money. It's not worth it. It's not worth the money to send it back. Wow. I wish I would how long of a uh timeline is it? Uh thirty know? days, I think. I think it's thirty oh, days. Okay. So maybe I'll go I'll dig into that and figure it out. Um so, um, so series two, I ended up getting, uh, you know, they, they have these chase variants and what they did, these sneaky little bastards at Jazzwares, 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 whatever it's called. Um, so you'll notice on the boxes for the AEW, they have the number of what they're in the, the right. serial numbers, right? Or, you know, series one, one, series one, two, right. one, three, whatever you want to call it. They added the chase variants to the series numbers. Right. So, so you're not always going to have a gap unless you. It's you so get frustrating, right? So here I am spending hundreds of dollars on dumbass twenty dollar figures because <laughs> I have to complete the set here. So I ordered uh, the Moxley variant. I got my eyes on the MJF one. Um, I, I I got uh, season series three. I was able to get three of them off Ringside Collectibles before they sold out. And I had to order the other three off eBay and Macari. Um, so I got those. Series four, I was able to pre-order through Ringside because that's when I decided uh, yeah, the fate. Yeah. I'm just going to go do that. Yeah. Um, I also pre-ordered, um, well, I got the AEW uh, Blood Brothers Ringside exclusive. I had to show you guys that because that's awesome. I pre-ordered the TNT Championship Cody that's on Ringside Collectibles. And then I had to, well, of course, uh, because of this, I got into watching the Wrestling Figure podcast show with Ryder and Hawkins there, uh, Broski and Myers. And I watched an unboxing video of the authentic scale ring with exclusive Kenny, Kenny Omega. Man. So I had to get that. And then <laughs> I found out that there is a playset ring that's a UK only with an exclusive Cody figure. So guess what I'm trying to secure, guys? Like every toy line ends up going back to the Marvel Secret Wars and all has a UK exclusive figure and they end up shooting up in price. Yeah. It's bad. It's crazy. And by the way, have you looked at the prices of these chase variants? I don't think I want to know. Yeah, there are a couple hundred, 300, 400. Depends on the character. You got, like, you got a couple of uh, mortgage payments behind you. Yeah. Not bad for a two-bedroom apartment. So. 
Yeah, I got a little Darby Allen back there, a little Rio action. Of course, they both have chase variants, which I haven't seen. I have not seen those ones out in the wild yet. Uh, You're not you see the mock. You see the Moxley, and you see the. I'm just saying on eBay. Oh, you even see the there. Moxley, and you see um, the MJF because those were Series Two. So you've seen those ones. You have not seen the Series Three ones yet. So, and I'm just hoping by the stroke of God, I get a variant in my ringside collectibles boxes when they send them to me. Oh, and I forgot. I forgot to tell you guys. I did order Series One and Series Two of the New Japan figures. So. It might be a good thing you never got into comics. Yeah, it's bad. It is bad, guys. <laughs> but I'm saving money because I I I unsubscribed to Sonny's OnlyFans. So oh, okay. we're, we're good. We're good. Ten bucks a month, you'll you'll be glad you'll pocket. But here's what I'm thinking, though. I, I'm looking at the way Educator goes around and collecting the Hasbro's and getting mm-hmm. them back and stuff like this. Like. I'm just preemptively thinking, you know, in five to ten years, I would, I think I would say, my, my father always said you only regret the things you don't buy in life. So I think in five to ten years when these things are skyrocketing in price, I'm going to say, hey, I should have got those. I should have right. been forward thinking. I'm looking at it more of an investment, too, because I'm not taking them out. I'm not letting them breathe. I'm going to keep them in plastic where I should be able to sell, hopefully, them at a later date. Cool. If I want to. I don't want to. I want to keep them all. I actually kind of wanted to get two copies of them. One, I can let them breathe. And the other one, no. That's a whole other thing. So, But what are we here to t- discuss, guys? I forgot. What are we? Uh, uh, Saturday Dance Main Event? Are I think we still it's Saturday Night's Main Event. I think that's what Are we done with the season? Yeah, what the hell's yeah. going on here? Were there any uh, Saturday Night's Main Event figures? There probably is. Probably some <laughs> elites. Awesome. I'm not into that. I started thinking, should I go down the rabbit hole of starting to get WWE guys? But I mean, they're so far gone at this point. I mean, you're yeah, up to elite so 84, 85. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not even worth it. I'd rather start from scratch. So, uh, but but why don't we get right into Saturday night's main event five? Uh, it was uh, it. Well, the event took place on February fifteenth, nineteen eighty six, but it actually aired on March first, um, eighty six. We are in Phoenix, Arizona at the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Um, what do you guys think? I, I, to me, this was the most kind of pared down Saturday night's main event since the pilot episode. Am, am I wrong for thinking that? I mean, it's, it's you know, unofficially like the, the last major big show going into WrestleMania. Uh, we set up a bunch of storylines here. For the 86 WrestleMania with the Hogan-Bundy cage match. We have the tag title match that we see here tonight. And they end up having a rematch at WrestleMania between Bulldogs and Valentine and Beefcake. And we also set up for Mr. T and eventually Roddy Piper in that boxing match that they have. So lots of storyline development within this particular show uh, to get people into the mindset of, you know, what wasn't really the the show of shows yet but it would be the follow-up to the original wrestlemania and getting ready for wrestlemania 2 yeah there were quite a few moments on here that i thought oh i remember seeing though in highlight videos or you know promos this is how this match happens this is how we got to the storyline and i hadn't seen it in its original form i guess i'll say so i was like oh we're, we're here now i'm gonna start recognizing more and more things that have happened it's also too to to 
think about how close we are to uh, Mania. You know, Mania 2 coming up here. Um, so to see that build from this to that, um, you know, comparative to how we have been seeing, it, it's very uh, fascinating, in my, in my opinion. I mean, this leads right to Mania. Is this a tease for Mania, basically? Uh, not enough football players. <laughs> I mean, WrestleMania 2, I mean, you said this aired, what was it, March 1st? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, WrestleMania 2 is like um, five weeks away. So uh, lots and lots of things going on to get ready for the big show coming up. Yeah. So, uh, but why don't we get right into the event? Of course, we are greeted by uh, Mean Gene, and he is interviewing uh, or trying to get an interview with Mr. T as Mr. T's hitting the heavy bag. Um, And then we get Vince and Jesse running down the card ringside. Um, And then we get a Piper's Pit flashback, really setting up the Mr. T versus uh, Cowboy Bob, Boxing Bob. Uh, how many different nicknames does Bob Orton have? Battling, during, battling, ba- Bob. battling Bob. I mean, he's got three. I think they 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 call him by during Ace this. Cowboy Battling Bob Orton. All right, so educator. Yeah, I got a question for you. Hit me up. All right, so we have Cowboy Bob, we have Battling Bob, and Boxing Bob. Which one are we of the three? Which one is Kevin? Ooh. Because they're the trios of Bobs of the world. Uh, I'm going to give them the nod and give them the battling. Oh. Because it's always it's always an inner struggle with that one. All right. So uh, I, I, I would disagree with that. Okay. Uh, but what would, you, what would you give me then? Am I the cowboy or am I uh, the boxing? Hmm. I'd give you the cowboy, baby. No. Oh, interesting. And you're the boxing? I am the boxing. See, I was going to give Kevin the cowboy, Bob. Because he's the inventor of the Super Rodeo Burger. Oh, Super oh, Rodeo Burger. Super Rodeo you know, Burger. So, See, I uh, think I you're going with boxing from when your brother and I were going to box each other. Oh, that would have been glorious. That would have <laughs> been glorious. So we should uh, still work on that. We got to get that on. Maybe we'll do a podcast or a podcast boxing match or something. I'm sure audio boxing sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyways, after that, we get uh, Mean Gene uh, interviewing Piper and Bob Orton. And then we see Mr. T getting his hands wrapped. Um, and they actually show a video of his sparring session. Uh, the funny thing about this is, okay, so it's a boxing match, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. T hits a guy while he's on while his he's knees. down. Yeah, while he's, while he's down. Like that's an illegal punch. Right. That's I'm just crazy. making sure we know the rules of boxing. So. Well, I mean, of course, a boxing match, you know, within a wrestling show, we're expecting it to go off flawlessly without any shenanigans. I'm sure. Oh, I, I mean, I'm, from the ones we have covered, which I think this is what the third or fourth one right. we've covered in our series. I think we have one. Have we had one in every? Did in your house have a boxing match? Yeah, the Butterbean, yeah. right? Yeah, Butterbean, Mark yeah, Butterbean, Butterbean Mark, and yeah. then the Halloween. They had the Mark Miro. Oh, the Giant Be Bad one? Yep. Or no, no, it had uh, Ernest Miller and Mike Sanders. Yeah. Right. I'm yep. just saying, we've had a boxing match in every series. Now, that is something to, to look forward to, so <laughs> to see if it continues. Uh, but anyways, when we get right to it, uh, match number one on the card is Mr. T versus battling Bob Orton in a boxing match. W- what would you guys think of this um, 
I mean, it's not really a match. Would you think of this kind of uh, segment? I guess. What would you call yeah, it? Yeah, segment. I get. Yeah, it's just it, they're hard to really for play by play or just review of the notes. Oh, they're punching, and now this one's punching, going back and forth. It's more or less what's the weird shenanigans and what's being pulled off by the heel behind the ref's back. Um, that was really what all I was looking forward to. Uh, you know, we got Mr. T that's come off of the Rocky movie and he's talking about how he had to take a dive in the movie to get the payoff and so on. And now he's ready to kill a sucker and all that stuff. So, you know, I just, I'm impressed with how Bob Orton is making the most of his time, making the most of his minutes on, on TV on, you know, for all these episodes that he's been in. I, it's just, it's crazy to see the dad of Randy Orton and you know where Randy's coming from and just how involved he truly was in 85, 86 storylines in WWF. Crazy how much you see Randy in the face too. Like there's, there's a lot of moments where I'm like, Oh my God, they look just like each other, especially with, uh, you know, Randy's current look there. Yeah. So anyways, why don't we, why don't we get right to it? Uh, educator, why don't you break down this, uh, this one? We'll do the best we can here. So the start of the match, we see uh, Bob Orton attacking Mr. T from behind before the bell rings. Uh, be, uh, the, the seconds in each corner are trying to work their way out of the ring when this attack is occurring. So the ref's trying to clear everybody out. Eventually, the ref calls for the bell. We see the referee give a warning to Bob Orton for failing to do a break. He's holding on to Mr. T in the back of his head from behind. Uh, holding the back of the head from behind while Mr. T's up against the ropes. We see Orton putting pressure on Mr. T, backing him into the corner. Mr. T and Bob Orton end up locking arms. Bob Orton with a blatant thumb to the eye in this particular round, and the match temporarily stops. We see the doctor getting in the ring and a bunch of Mr. T's seconds from ringside they're getting in the ring. Mr. T ends up warding everybody off, saying he wants to fight. So the bout restarts. We see Mr. T battling back and eventually he gets Orton into the ropes and the bell rings as the referee is attempting to split the men up. Mr. T is being kind of hugged by the referee and is getting pushed from, you know, pushed from the referee to get split. We see Orton with a cheap shot, knocking Mr. T down who by the him hugging the referee, he ends up dragging the referee down on top of him. Eventually, Mr. T gets up, and they do the split in the corners. Uh, there are a little break in between the rounds, and then round two eventually begins. We see Bob Orton charging Mr. T, and he starts shaking his hand, waving it all around, I guess like he's Sugar Ray Leonard. We see Orton keep turning around, looking for approval and nodding and smiling at Roddy Piper. Uh, Mr. T ends up taking the upper hand uh, with... Uh, with Bob Orton, Piper gets on the apron to distract the referee, and we see Bob Orton with a knee lift to Mr. T's abdomen to knock Mr. T down. Orton ends up dropping a double axe handle onto a down Mr. T, and then Orton carries uh, Mr. T over to, uh, to Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper winds up as if he's going to clock Mr. T, but Mr. T's able to duck, and Piper swings and ends up hitting a haymaker onto Bob Orton, knocking Orton down. We see Mr. T with a right hand that ends up knocking Piper and Piper kind of leaps on the apron to sell the viciousness of the right hand for Mr. T. And then we see Mr. T with a right hand that ends up knocking Orton over the top rope onto the floor. 
And in the process of doing so, the referee ends up counting Bob Orton out of the ring before he's able to even get back into the ring to resume the fight. So the winner by countout is Mr. T. So post-match, Roddy Piper gets in the ring. He's all fired up because he got attacked by Mr. T. So he takes off his shirt, takes off his kilt, and starts you know charging at Mr. T and squaring off like he's ready to go fight bare-knuckle against Mr. T. Mr. T certainly is going to accept that challenge, and they start kind of squaring off in the ring. And Piper conveniently uh, gets T to turn around. Uh, so his back is to Bob Orton and Bob Orton ends up attacking Mr. T from behind and we end up seeing a double team as a result with Randy or Bob Orton, I should say, holding Mr. T down and Roddy Piper gets a hold of a belt and proceeds to whip Mr. T a few times uh, leading into the storyline that will go into WrestleMania 2. A uh, quick question. Um, do either of you have a beverage right now? Where where is it? It is in a bottle. In a bottle it, it, and... in my left hand. Okay, if it wasn't in your hand, where were you setting it? It would be on the table right in front of me. Okay, treats. Uh, this is a cardboard box that holds fused water. Okay, and where where were you setting it down when you weren't on drinking? A coaster on, on a coaster on my desk. I got mine over on a little uh, storage thing over here. Uh, my point is, I am not Vince McMahon who oh owns everything there placing an open styrofoam cup of coffee on top of the av hookup in front of all the fans okay like like you're taping you're taping your major show for nbc and you just put like a cup of coffee onto your audio video equipment there right on the announcer desk which where you of all the fans and stuff too can i ask a can i ask a question where on the tv is it located it's not on the TV. It's on like the box that the mic and everything's plugged in. No, I mean, where did you see it? The bottom of the screen, to the left of the screen, to the right of the screen. When I saw it with them, I don't know. It was like an overhead shot of Vincent and Jesse. I'm just wondering if because of high definition TVs and how they're widescreen now, if you were not able to see that on a feed. Oh, I see the what you're 80s. saying. Now. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, it's not. Good call, it, man. Good call. Yeah. I mean, excellent call. But it's more I'm like. We witnessed Uncle Elmer's wedding when the fans were just pelting everything. I wouldn't have an open container around these fans in this era. Um, T actually like knows what he's doing in there for the boxing part of it when it's not, you know, the wrestling sports entertainment aspect of it. Like he knew what he was doing and it seemed a couple times like he forgot he's part of a show and was gonna go serious with it. Right. And and me not doubt in my mind, he would have knocked Orton out <laughs> like very easily. Um Cowboy Bob Orton with the bravest performance I have seen in wrestling in forever. Did you notice he's not wearing the cast? He's going into a boxing match without his cast there. He could have gotten seriously injured. Like, good luck. Gotta give credit to him. Um, Did we catch the line? Are we going to address the line <laughs> that happened yeah. during the belt beating? I mean, I did write it down. I wrote as well. it down too. <laughs> Quote, it looks to me like Roots too. I was just like, I mean, wow. I, I mean, I I get it, I I I get everything, but just like we always ask, could you get away with certain stuff now? This one, I really don't think you could. No, no way. I don't think there's a chance for the time, for the era, for what's going on, for people. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm not asking for like either anyone to be canceled for this line or anything like that. But seeing it in 2021, I was, I was like, 
wow, you could not do that right now. No, it's no. crazy to think too how much like okay, being edgy and pushing the envelope and stuff like that in the eighties and nineties, it stands out like it sticks out like a sore thumb now when you're right. when you're watching it, just because you're more is it more aware of how things are, the optics and and different things like that? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. Are we just I, trying to be better people, trying to be more aware of, of how other people are feeling and not just what we feel? I think for when we were growing up, certainly before it and sometime after it as well, there is a certain group that's in charge of most media and opportunities and presentation and promotion, everything that coincidentally we look like. And that was the only voice. So a lot of this stuff just happened because there's no other voice to say, Hey, right. That might not not be good. Appropriate. Right. Yeah. It's absurd that friends went on what? 10 seasons. And there's no, in the middle of New York city in the nineties. And there's no black people weird like that which is you know like now you wouldn't even think of casting a show like that that takes place in a major city with a diverse geez with a cast characters that wouldn't normally meet up with each other it's not like they're all in the same family or something like that but yeah i think there's just certain things where finally people in writing rooms and production and directing and whatever that were a different voice themselves said hey we need to present these different voices on tv as well and also because of that we don't we're noticing things in the past that happened that wouldn't fly now wasn't aisha tyler on friends briefly as ross's girlfriend girlfriend. yeah never never made main cast yeah, I don't know how to segue. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of main cast, Cowboy Bob without his cast, huh? <laughs> Boom, nailed that one. So Kamala uh, is on next. <laughs> Speaking of characters. Can I ask a question? Um, okay, so I always remember probably the most famous Cowboy Bob spot ever is he jumps off the top rope, hits uh, Piper in the head with the cast or Orndorff in the head with the cast. Yeah, Russ Mania. At at Mania, right? Right. Um, So I always thought Cowboy Bob was very cartoony in a lot of his selling, right? But I'll tell you what. His sell job of Mr. T punching him and him going over, it's so good. I mean, it's so good. I I mean, going back and looking at this stuff again with with a redefined lens here, um, I'm becoming more appreciative of some of the characters from the mid eighties that when I'm like, you know, six, seven, eight years old watching, originally watching this stuff, um, I didn't have a fond appreciation for it. Now going back and having a, a bigger appreciation of the business and it's the work ethic of some of these guys, they're truly groundbreaking stuff in the eighties that, you know, I wouldn't know any uh, any other way or know any better of as like again like six seven eight year old but now it's just like wow this is this is good stuff. You know what it is? They weren't playing video games. They had more time to work on the craft there. Right. They're not in the hotel playing pong. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes these sense. were the guys that had guns with them in the locker. Guns room. and knives, right in the locker room. <laughs> so uh, we follow that up with. Uh, uh, mean Jeed, uh, he gets a little post-match interview with Mr. T. 
Um, and then we get Mean Gene talking with Heenan and Bundy. And, of course, Bundy is screaming that he wants Hogan. Of course, setting up for Mania 2. Um, and then we follow that up with match number two, um, which is Steve Gatorwolf taking on King Kong Bundy. Of course, Bundy has Bobby the Brain Heenan in his corner. Uh, what did you uh, think of this uh, squash match? Who's Steve Gatorwolf? <laughs> also, I mean, also, what's what's the derivation? Like, what country is Gatorwolf's ancestors originally from to have Gatorwolf? As a last name, I honestly, when they first announced him before the graphic, thought it was Steve, quote, Gator, end quote, Wolf. Like Gator was his nickname. Not that Gator Wolf was all one name. Right. Like he was Skinner's uncle or something. <laughs> <laughs> the great uncle. Uh, yeah, just a, a name I've never heard of. No. Um, not, of course. Not familiar with it at all either. I mean, he's just a body. So. They're from the Hampton Gator Wolves. Uh, that family. I mean, Steve Gatorwolf doesn't even have a Wikipedia, so I can't even look it up. But I'm sure um, being in Arizona, he was probably a local indie wrestler in Arizona in that territory. So do you want to break the match down? I mean, what, what is there to break there's not down? Much, there's not much to break Bundy down. Bundy gets a five count. Right? We'll go through it. So we see a lockup with, um, with Bundy. Uh, we see forearms into the corner by Bundy, and then he rams Steve Gatorwolf's head into the buckle. Bundy with a vicious chop and a, then eventually a forearm to the back of the head of Gator Wolf. Bundy drags Gator Wolf to the opposite corner uh, so that he can then ram his head into the turnbuckle again. King Kong Bundy with an Irish whip to Steve Gator Wolf to the opposite corner of the ring. Bundy follows up with a big avalanche crush into the corner. And Steve Gator Wolf staggers out in the ring, falls into the ring. Bundy goes for the pinfall, one, two, three, but then demands that the ref keeps counting to five. And commentary sells how King Kong Bundy wants to make sure there's no question that he is he's absolutely won the match itself. King Kong Bundy is announced as the winner, but as Howard Finkel is announcing him as the winner, grabby, uh, Bundy ends up grabbing the microphone and again continues to call out Hogan, saying he wants him anytime, anywhere, he's ready. And again, lending uh, some storyline towards what will be five, six weeks away with WrestleMania. Like some. Okay. One was Gator Wolf. One of the Wuzzles. The classic Disney cartoon mixing up animals. All right. If WrestleMania is five, six weeks away and it takes place in three locations, how is there not like there's a lot of hype in here. There should be more hype. There should be nothing but hype. You're trying to sell tickets to three locations for this. And all three were live, correct? Because yes. there was a lot of like downtime in between, you know, yes. for the ones not. Do- yeah. So I can't imagine. I mean, granted, we've seen WWE pay per views. They're like, in two weeks, we're going to have a pay per view and we haven't announced any matches. Right. But that's not what was going on in this era. I'm shocked there isn't anything. And um, I, I, now we've said we're not quite sure where Steve Gatorwolf is from, but I got to imagine he has some sort of wrestling connection, possibly uh, through Dusty. Because it looks like he has Cody's neck tattoo on his trunks. Mm. Didn't notice that. I don't, look at, I don't look at another man's trunks. Nope. No, do you look at another man's neck though? I mean, do the do your just super just, expensive? Just, just looks like a just like it looks like a turkey neck. <laughs> do your super expensive AEW figures have Cody's tattoo on the neck of it? No, that's series four as the tattoo. 
The series four has the tattoo. Okay. Because all of the ones from the, the series one, and then I think the the Blood Brothers match happened before he had the tattoo. So it's, chron- oh, yeah. it's chronologically. Uh, oh, you know. oh, okay. So Did you see the tweet uh, from Britt Baker yes. mocking mocking the next series with like seven or seven or eight Cody's with different ring variant gear variations and then a brandy figure. Oh. <laughs> Pretty figure with the stroller. <laughs> I want to point out too that uh, so I'm looking at the the blood and guts blood brothers one, and they did add a number for. There so it it's not just a special edition one. Yeah. You would have to need it if you're a completist like myself. Maddie treats, AEW figure completionist. I'm just looking at like first issues of comics I've picked up in the last couple of weeks that have like 20 variant covers. <laughs> And pictured Matt getting into it and having to go find all twenty of them on eBay. But uh, you know what? You know how I I got started it was back in the day when, when every wrestler was on TV Guide and I needed every cover. <laughs> and now you can go on eBay get them for like twenty bucks for all of them. So. Is it really cheap? I think I have like two or three of those still. We think about it. TV guides are just TV listings. It's not like there's articles or really anything. Yeah, people collect them. There there used to be like quick. Well, couple articles in the front but what people are looking for is what used to air like oh i remember the show or oh i forgot about this and i can't find the show on youtube or on streaming or anything it's uh, no one else remembers it and it's how they start like researching forgotten things Hmm. interesting did not know that so so anyways when we move on we have uh mean gene uh talking with don morocco uh what'd you guys think of this one Morocco's all disheveled. He's frustrated. He feels that Hogan is behind some kind of shenanigans here that led to poor Mr. Fuji having the flu. Okay, so speaking of uh, racism here, does Mr. Fuji have COVID? Because <laughs> it doesn't mean Gene call it the Kung Flu. The Kung he, Flu. He think, I, I thought it was more like he had food poisoning or something like that in his quote, infinite oriental wisdom i mean it's just laying it on thick this one um man he looks like he was when they show pictures of him backstage struggling man it was like he was on one of his saturday night benders man oh yeah he or fuji fuji's not looking good he's got the ice everywhere does that happen when you have raw dog (laughs) i think it's that yeah it's one of the side effects yeah i've needed to ice down after oh okay um, so anyways, uh, Bobby, the brain, Heenan's going to step in for, uh, Mr. Fuji. Um, and then, you know, we have mean gene interviewing Hogan and that leads to match number three on our card, which is Don Morocco with Bobby, the brain, Heenan taking on Hawk Hogan. What'd you guys think of this one? We finally see Hogan donning the traditional yellow garb, the yellow gear that we have become so accustomed to from his 80s and early 90s run. Uh, We finally see the big boot and the leg drop combo that we've become accustomed to as well. Lots of back and forth between, uh, between Hogan and Morocco. Starting to get a better appreciation of Don Morocco. Uh, it was ra- this is right around the time when I was starting to follow wrestling pretty heavily and uh, don't remember too, too much of Morocco's heel run whatsoever as a child going back and like watching YouTube videos and stuff like that just to kind of pick up on things his run as Intercontinental Champion and so on. 
though those are the things that you know I I, I didn't don't remember too too much of um, as a child but now just seeing this match it's great to see a lot of different competitors getting a shot at Hogan and, and a shot at the championship Nikolai Volkov Terry Funk and now we're seeing uh, Morocco here I thought it was a good match I mean it's crazy to look back and consider for what we've seen Hogan is a fighting champion it's put on the line all these specials against a variety of people. Now, like technically, he's a fighting champion for it. Morocco, I agree. I'm getting a bigger appreciation for, but I'll say I've yet to be impressed with anything on his offense. But as a defense, as a bumper, and as a promo or just a personality, fantastic. Yeah, it almost harkens back to, or not harkens back, but it, I, I do you think that these guys, each one getting a shot at Hogan. Um, it's kind of like a prelude to, you know, like John Cena did the open challenge and you see the open challenges all the time, whether that's for the TNT title with Cody or the U S title. Um, is this kind of that feeling that you're getting where this could be anyone to step up to challenge Hogan? I'm wondering more or less if it's also maybe the bookers taking care of the guys. Cause obviously if they're in the main event with Hogan, they're probably going to get paid more. And they're just giving every one of these heels the opportunity to try to make some bank. I still think it has to be someone that's a monster at this point, too. Like Savage later, even DiBiase are smaller than the guys we've seen Hogan face. But that became more wrestling-based, psychological, more storyline. This is just monster of the week. But what about Terry Funk? Terry Funk at that point was a monster. <laughs> okay. I'm just, you know, I, I don't no, think no, he's you're in right. the yeah. same. That's a good point. Maybe just his character work. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, educator, why don't you actually, you know, you get a, you get a match to actually break down now. I know. <laughs> it's, it's solid. On this one and the next, the tag match is fantastic, too. So we see at the start of the match, Morocco with a cheap shot to Hogan's gut. He ends up ramming Hogan's head into the turnbuckle, raking the back of Hogan continuously as he's pummeling Hogan down. We see Morocco with an Irish whip to Hogan into the corner. Hogan ends up reversing and uh, the Irish whip, and Morocco slams into the corner, rebounds out, and Hogan catches Morocco with a back body drop. We see Hulk Hogan raking the back of Morocco three times. Bobby Heaton, frustrated, jumps up on the apron to point out to the referee the cheating shenanigans of Hulk Hogan. And uh, Hogan just absolutely clocks Bobby Heaton with a big haymaker. We see Hulk Hogan with a corner Irish whip and a follow-up with an avalanche clothesline to Don Morocco. Hogan with the atomic drop to Morocco and ends up sending Morocco over the top rope and onto the floor. We see Hulk Hogan following Morocco to the outside. He hits Morocco with a right hand. He rams his head into the apron and then eventually rolls Morocco back into the ring. Morocco is able to actually get onto his feet first and begin slugging with Hogan. Hogan and Morocco begin slugging it back and forth. Hogan ends up getting the upper hand and ends up hitting a big haymaker to Morocco, knocking him down, and he gets a two count from referee Dave Hebner. Uh, Hogan does an Irish whip to Morocco into the ropes and ends up catching Morocco with a big bear hug to begin wearing down Morocco's back. 
Morocco is able to finally escape the bear hug by doing a headbutt to Hogan's nose to break the hold. We see Morocco with a leg drop, a kick to a downed Hogan, and then a jumping knee to Hogan. It goes for the pinfall, gets a two count from the referee. We see Morocco doing the big million-dollar knee lift to Hogan to knock him down two separate occasions. Morocco drops a big elbow on a downed Hogan on the mat. Morocco with it does this unique-looking headbutt to the lower abdomen of Hulk Hogan. He basically spread eagles Hogan and just drops a big headbutt to the belly button, uh, going right for the crotch, but ends up hitting the, the belly button of Hulk Hogan. We see Morocco with a side Russian leg sweep. Morocco climbs to the second rope and does the big Asiatic thumbs drop spike uh, to Hogan, dropping the big spike down onto Hogan, ends up getting a two count from the referee, and Hogan starts hulking up. We see multiple jabs by Morocco, but eventually Hogan does his traditional hulk up and fires back. We see Hogan do an Irish whip into the corner for Morocco, and he follows up with a running back elbow. Hulk Hogan with an Irish whip and does the big boot to knock Morocco down to the canvas. Hogan bounces off the ropes and does his patented leg drop to Morocco. As Hogan goes for the pin, we see Bobby Heenan charge into the ring and does a big stomp onto Hogan's back to break up the count, and that leads to the referee calling for a DQ finish. Post-match, Hulk Hogan frustrated that he wasn't able to pin Morocco, sets his sights on Bobby Heenan, ends up lifting up Ho uh, Bobby Heenan for a chokehold, and eventually King Kong Bundy makes his way to ringside, gets into the ring, and attacks Hogan from behind. We see essentially a double-team maneuver where uh, Morocco is now sitting on the outside of the ring, and he grabs both of Hogan's arms to drag him over to the corner turnbuckle. Hogan's back is exposed to the ring as his arms are draped over towards the ring post, and we see... Uh, King Kong Bundy do multiple avalanches and with an uh, extra momentum from Bobby Heenan kind of slingshotting him into the corner. Uh, after three or four avalanches, we see Morocco end up holding Hogan's legs and eventually setting up so that Bundy can do multiple splashes on a downed Hulk Hogan. Eventually, the British Bulldogs and Pedro Morales do a run-in to scare off the heels in this situation. We see Hulk Hogan eventually stretchered out as we go to come back from a commercial break. Stretchered out, he's got a neck collar on, and he's eventually led out of the arena and put into an ambulance. And we see Gorilla Monsoon actually get into the ambulance and ride to the local hospital uh, with Hulk Hogan to deal with his injuries. It's a great attack, too. Like, fantastic. And, I mean, this is the one that I remember seeing because WrestleMania 2 was a wrestling show that I rented a lot back when, you know, every grocery store had a little corner VHS, right. you know, area there. So I remember watching this a lot and seeing that hype up video. And then I remember watching again later on. I'm like, why is Don Morocco part of this? Like, I remember Bundy is part of Heenan family. I don't remember Morocco. Yeah, because I'd never seen this setting the whole thing up. But it's right. a great setup, great attack. Um, Hogan's doing his, like, little, it's so weird saying it, but, like, his little cute moves, because they're fighting on the on the outside, and he rolls into the ring and gives, like, a, a slight little wave to the referee, like, hi, I'm back in the ring, and then rolls back out, and they continue the fight. And then there's also the these moves that I feel like 
maybe someone can do it right, but they've always bothered me. The back rake, I don't understand. And it just drives me insane because of the, the way it has to be sold as this horrible move. Unless you're showing me someone's long fingernails, and I don't know, maybe some of them had Coke spoons. I don't see how a back rake is going to do it. And then this is not a good bear hug either. There's a handful of people that can do like very believable bear hugs. I believe you're being squeezed and it hurts like hell. This is not one of them. But then like, I like the Asian spike. I like that as a move. I see it, but then I forget which who I'm announcing says it. Oh, he's doing the Asian spike to set up the pile driver. I'm like, how does that set up the pile driver? Unless it's like I'm hitting him in the neck, making the neck weak. So when I hit the pile driver, it damages more, maybe. But I'm all for, oh, Ric Flair's obviously going to attack your legs because he's setting up the figure four. Like, there's certain ones that make sense. Because, you, you know, if uh, Lex Luger was working the back in a Halloween Havoc match because he's setting up Torture Wreck. Okay, the Asian Spike sets up pile driver. I need you to pause there and explain yourself to me. <laughs> like, I just think it's it's... There's a, it's a good match though, especially for like you know the level we're currently at for a Saturday Night's main event. Like it was a good match, it was enjoyable, but I just had a few nitpick. I didn't understand things. Yeah, and then after this, really, the Hogan storyline does dominate the rest of the show. I mean, uh, getting the updates from the hospital, um, you know, in talking to the doctor and stuff like that as we go through the show and we break it down, you, you know, we'll, we'll make mention to that. But it really does change the tone of, of the entire show. Um, and I think they do a pretty good job of following up on that angle. I mean, nowadays with angles like this, there's no follow up. It <laughs> just, well, no, I mean, payoff, you, right. Yeah. And we've had some where, oh, they're so hurt. They're going to be out for months. And then by the time Raw's over, they come out. Right. Yeah, you know, they come they back. Do, and like, well, they do a run and, and then Becky the Lynch is driving the ambulance <laughs> to my heart. <laughs> All right, so we get Mean Gene. With, uh, he's in the ambulance. He's going through the ambulance. I don't know. He's following. He's an ambulance chaser. All of a sudden. Uh, but then we go to a pre-tape segment, supposedly, of me Jim interviewing the Dream Team. Uh, but this wasn't the Dream Team from the previous episodes. Right. Uh, so they're really using the Dream Team name pretty loosely here. Um, but we got uh, Johnny Valiant uh, and we got uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the Beefcake getting interviewed. Yeah, so match number four is the Bulldogs versus the Dream Team. Now, Educator, uh, spoiler alert, earlier you said this was a, a really good tag match. Oh, if we if we're finally going to start a list of uh, Saturday night's main event matches, this is going to be one would be one of mine that I would put on in a heartbeat. I love the back and forth, uh, and I love the unexpected finish, uh, just out of nowhere. And it's it's a great finish to justify that there should be a follow up between the two teams uh, leading into Mania. Uh, the chemistry between the two teams, I just think is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I really, really love Dynamite's work. I know he is very heavily criticized for uh, his bully mentality and behavior backstage, issues that he's had with certain wrestlers. Uh, we all know, um, you know, unfortunately, the health issues he's had in the last, you know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, even longer, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I just a real huge fan of the Bulldogs. 
loved them growing up as a kid. Uh, I was a mark for Matilda when they eventually brought Matilda out. I thought it was great, uh, fantastic, uh, just great, great team. And I, I just wish their time in WWF didn't end. I thought there was so much more that they could have done, especially right around the time. It was I mean, they left right around, you know, demolition starting to rise and eventually becoming challengers to strike forces tag title. I think uh, WrestleMania or not Survivor Series uh, 87. I think was their last uh, last run. So, someone can be an a hole, or even just someone you wouldn't want to spend time with, and still be good at their job. So, whatever Dynamite's reputation might be, still good at his job, right? Still good at getting in the ring, and to see because we're so used to Davy Boy later in his career with what we watched for in your house and then even Halloween Havoc series. But he's second here to the veteran of Dynamite Kid. Right. And it's, just, it's very interesting to see him in that role, too. Um, I thought, and, and I know you're about to break it down, I thought three out of the four people were fantastic in this match. Still thinking Beefer's that bad, huh? I think he was carried. Yeah, for this entire thing. Now the other three did a hell of a job, and I agree it's a great match. But Beefcake's absolutely carried for this. Right. I misspoke. I uh, Bulldogs left SummerSlam. Uh, they had a match with Rujo's at SummerSlam '88, so it would have been Survivor Series '88 when uh, or '89, I should say. Yeah, '88. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank here. You call yourself a math teacher. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> so no, anyways. SummerSlam, no, SummerSlam 88. They opened the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It would have been 88. And then, yeah, Survivor Series 88 would have been their last run. I mean, with those math lessons, no wonder Crone uh, Meltzer finished Salute Victorian. Salute Victorian, baby. Salute. <laughs> so, in a class of one. All right, educator, why don't you break this one down for us? Oh, baby, buckle your chin straps because we've got a lot of notes. So we see the start of the match with Davy Boy locking up with Valentine. He ends up shoving Valentine back into the corner. Davy Boy with an atomic drop to uh, Greg Valentine. And we see a staggering Valentine stumble over to the Bulldogs corner to get a headbutt from the Dynamite Kid. Valentine ends up rolling out onto the apron. Eventually, Davy Boy Smith suplexes Greg Valentine from standing from the apron back into the ring. Ventura's flipping out how that was an illegal maneuver. He shouldn't have brought him in that way. Uh, Davy goes for a pinfall, ends up getting a two count on Greg Valentine. Dynamite Kid tags in, and the Bulldogs do a double clothesline to Greg Valentine to knock him down. We see a headbutt by the Dynamite Kid to knock Valentine back down again. He goes for a pinfall attempt and gets a two count. Greg Valentine is able to stagger over towards his corner. Beefcake tags in on a blind Irish whip tag, only for there to be what appears to be a somewhat of a botch in the match itself where Dynamite tries to do a knee lift to knock down uh, Brutus Beefcake, but Beefcake doesn't really sell it too, too well. Uh, he ends up ramming Beefcake's head in the corner turnbuckle and then does a few body shots and another headbutt uh, and eventually gets Beefcake down. 
We see Davy Boy tag back in, and he does like an armbar press to lift Beefcake up into the air, putting extreme pressure on the elbow joint to work on the elbow. Eventually, Valentine is able to tag back in, and Davy Boy Smith does a military press body slam to Greg Valentine, gets a two count from the referee. Dynamite Kid tags back in, and again, there's a double headbutt to Greg Valentine by both Bulldogs. We see Dynamite with a belly-to-back suplex, and then he drops a headbutt onto uh, Greg Valentine, does a pinfall attempt, and gets a two-count. Dynamite Kid climbs to the second rope and drops a knee, uh, jumps off and drops a knee onto a down Greg Valentine. Davey Boy Smith tags back in, and both men, Valentine and Davey Boy, start to slug back and forth until Davey is able to hit a drop kick. We see Davey Boy Smith with an inside cradle small package onto Greg Valentine, gets a two count from the referee. Dynamite Kid tags back into the match. Valentine hits a reverse atomic drop to drop uh, Dynamite Kid, and he's able to stagger over to his corner to tag in Brutus Beefcake. We see Brutus Beefcake with a stomp to the abdomen, and then we see some shenanigans on ringside where uh, Johnny Valiant and Captain Lou kind of square off. And then Greg Valentine is trying to pull Captain Lou or Johnny Valiant away from Captain Lou. And then we see both teams end up working towards their corner on the floor to kind of separate the two managers as they're squaring off. And we go to a commercial break. We come back from the commercial break. And we see Beefcake getting trapped into Bulldog's corner uh, by Dynamite Kid. Davey Boy Smith tags back in and hits, uh, climbs to the top rope and hits a drop kick off of the top rope to Brutus Beefcake. And then a big splash on the Beefcake, goes for a pinfall attempt, gets a two count. Brutus Beefcake with a couple of cheap shots and an elbow shot to the back of Davey Boy's head. That allows him to tag Greg Valentine in. Greg Valentine slaps on the figure four onto Davey. But Dynamite Kid is able to break it up as he gets into the ring and does a big leg drop onto a prone Greg Valentine to uh, split up the maneuver. Davey tags uh, Dynamite Kid back in. Valentine and Dynamite Kid start trading blows back and forth. Eventually, Valentine is able to knock Dynamite down, and he ends up dropping an elbow onto the Dynamite Kid from the second rope. Valentine with a shoulder breaker onto the Dynamite Kid. He goes for a pinfall attempt, gets a two count. Brutus Beefcake is tagged back in. He does a snap nair. He runs and hits the ropes only just to do a leaping stomp. And then eventually tags Greg the Hammer Valentine back in, who does a big wind-up forearm drop onto the Dynamite Kid. He goes to slap on the figure four, Greg Valentine, onto the Dynamite Kid. But Dynamite Kid is able to kick... Uh, Greg Valentine from doing the spin around portion into the opposing corner, ramming uh, Valentine into the corner himself. Valentine tries to climb to the top rope only for Dynamite to recover to slam him off of the top rope back into the ring. Dynamite Kid climbs to the top rope and basically hits a, a drop kick, a plunging drop kick to Greg the Hammer Valentine. Goes for a pinfall attempt, and he gets a two count as Greg Valentine stretches his leg over to the rope. We see Dynamite Kid with a snap suplex. He goes for another pinfall attempt, only for it to be broken up by Brutus Beefcake. During this breakup, Davy Boy Smith ends up running into the ring and drop kicks Beefcake that sends Beefcake flying through the middle and top rope out into the floor. Dynamite Kid gets up and then picks up 
Greg Valentine does an Irish whip to Greg Valentine into the ropes. The hammer runs off of the ropes, and both Greg Valentine and Dynamite Kid end up clunking heads with one another. And in the momentum of Greg Valentine hitting Dynamite Kid, he ends up stumbling and falling over onto Dynamite, and his left leg partially covers Dynamite Kid's abdomen and chest, and the referee ends up calling that as a pinfall. One, two, three, and the winners and successfully defending the tag team championship, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Great ending. Fantastic. Inspired. I didn't see it coming. It's not an overused ending. It's not an overdone one. And it's great because that out of nowhere ending, that accidental pinfall kind of deal, it just sets up more credence of, yes, there's got to be another rematch so that there's a definitive finish, a definitive winner kind of deal. Um, I just, I thought it was a fantastic way to end that match. And it looked, quote, real. It looked like, oh, gosh, they actually hit. They actually ended the match this way. I I wonder if everyone's okay. Like, you would have gotten concerned. It's a brilliant setup for it. It's fantastic. And and like I was saying, thankfully not one, because we've seen so many good endings, and like, geez, that was probably great when they first did it, but now I see it every other month, and I'm kind of sick of it. It doesn't hold the same weight anymore. I, I can't think of another one that I've seen this, this kind of ending like it. Um, I do, so we were talking beforehand, Beefcake just looks lost a lot in the ring. He looks out of place. For the most part, he comes in after Greg Valentine will wear down whichever bulldog he has. Beefcake comes in, hits a couple of moves, a couple punches and kicks, gives Valentine a little break, and then they swap again. But he just, he's really just there. Bulldogs are incredible for this. Valentine looks great. The only the only mess up I think he had is he comes off the second rope and he's very gingerly getting up even that high. Like he's clearly just not used to climbing ropes at all. Doesn't seem like he wants to do it. Seems very unsure of himself, but what are you going to do when you're, I, I mean, he does a figure four, he's in tag. He's not a flashy, you know, off the ropes person there. And granted, there weren't many people that were at this time, but you're against the bulldogs who are innovating this new, style in a way you gotta hang with it so i think i think he probably did what he was most comfortable with but uh, agree absolutely it's all set up and you're like i gotta see these two fight again i have to see these two teams go at it once more yeah a lot of fun really you know what's funny too is matches like this stick out more i think uh because we've only really seen squash matches i mean we've seen some back and forth. I mean, we saw the the street fight, um, or what turned out to become the street fight, um, in earlier episodes. So to have just a good good wrestling match really does right. stand out. And uh, yeah, um, so we followed that up with Mean Gene checking on Hogan at the hospital, uh, and then we get the premiere of the "I Am a Real American" video, guys. Um, so. Uh, Educator, uh, why don't you uh, break down the video for us? <laughs> I'm going to go with no on this. <laughs> Hulkin in the red spandex playing the guitar. Classic 80s cheese. I mean, fantastic. everyone sees the gif, uh, you know, that's, that's super popular from this. Um, for an episode, guys, when we first started, when we started to record, I told you guys this. I could not remember if I even watched this episode because I. Th- this is like. This episode is like fast food 
in that it's filling, but it's not, it wasn't really as memorable as I thought it was, but there really is some really good moments in this, Mm -hmm. in this event, but it just doesn't jump off the page, I guess. Right. No, I I mean, this is, uh, I can't believe you're sliding the video. There's different (laughs) chords in the song, even though Hogan's hand doesn't move on the guitar. Right. (laughs) Wait, Hogan doesn't know how to play guitar. Well, I mean, depends on which biography of his. Right, you've watched. Where, I mean, WrestleMania 2 is coming up, which means we're just a year away from Hogan slamming Andre the Giant and him dying immediately after right. the ring. Within days, yeah. Yeah. Um, But then you get Hogan photoshopped across iconic scenes and landmarks across America, including his face where it should be on Mount Rushmore. I did like that with other great wrestlers like Abe Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt. I remember though, this was like the style I remember in the early, I think it was like either late eighties, early nineties when my family went to Disney world, uh, me and my brother. No. Yeah. It would have been early nineties because, uh, they used to do the music video factories where you can make your own music video. And, me and Mel, as two little white kids, of course, made a music video to Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice, you know, like you do. So um, with the same technology, I think that was used for this video. So, I think you two played that at a wrestling gathering once, too. One of you popped it in to embarrass the other. Yeah. So coming soon to the Retro Network will be a music <laughs> video featuring me. Um, we'll have to get Eric to do when he does his, wait, uh, wait, wait, featuring who? Featuring me (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, my scoundrel brother, Mal. So we will, I'll see what I can find next time I'm home. If if I can find that video, it would be, it would be fun. But, uh, but anyways, we follow that up with mean Gene talking to Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart. Um, so what'd you guys think of Adrian Adonis's character here? I, um, so I, I know of Adonis being in a tag team with um, with Jesse Ventura. They were the big East-West Coast connection. And the gimmick was he uh, Adonis would be wearing like a leather coat and he would have like a, 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 some kind of a hat on as well. Uh, that was his ring gear to the ring. And this and he had dark brown hair. And now this is just such a dramatic flip, swerve, whatever. It is really testing the waters of, uh, you know, just the flamboyance. I mean, is this basically, you know, Vince's version of, you know, I just... There's so many different stereotypical wrestlers that we've we've talked about in history. I mean, obviously, in more recent history, you've got Dustin Rhodes as Gold Dust and so on. This particular wrestler, I mean, this version. Um, do you think this could be pulled off today? Oh yeah. I mean, we we got Sunny Kiss, mm-hmm. and and and. And that is, I just, I don't, Sunny Kiss isn't as overly flamboyant with the hand gesture. I just, I don't see it as much as I see Adonis in this. Uh, 
I just it, it's it just seemed out of place in the eighties. I guess I don't know. I think I mean, I, let, let me just I I think a few a few things. I think this could work in any era. This this okay. sort of character. Okay, I think right. we saw it with Gorgeous George. Uh, mm-hmm. We see it with Adrian Adonis. We see it with Goldust. I would not put Sonny Kiss in that category because Sonny Kiss is being Sonny Kiss. That's right. not a gimmick. That is who she is. So um, I wouldn't put it in that category. I think the closest you could come with would be Dalton Castle. Okay. And the yes. boys. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and it's it's the same character. Um, it's a redone repackaged, I I would say. And it just depends on the era. Like we were talking about what pushes the boundaries. What does this, what does that? Um, that's why I think this sort of character can work in, um, in any era. I mean, we're talking about the decade of decadence here, so it's going to be a little more out there. I I think too, um, than what was previously there. And then gold dust really was more, um, sexualized because the, I didn't think right. this Adrian Adonis character was very. I mean, there was there was some innuendo, but it wasn't as sexualized as Goldust was. It, it's the implied, the implied effeminate, the implied homosexuality, and even the homophobia from a crowd too. And yeah, you can go back to Gorgeous George, um, the the clips in his hair, dying his hair, the the perfume and everything for it then he could still beat someone up too and uh, adonis right. could certainly still beat someone up as well i mean yeah and his team with jesse he had the leather gear but you just gotta look at the village people to have the leather gear as right that's true similar to this idea here um and you're also in the rock and wrestling era where you have artists like boy george twisted sister even um Elton John, you have a question on gender, on identity, on homosexuality in media. Oh, my gosh. If the kids are exposed to it, does that mean they're going to be gay, too? Yeah, sure. That's what it means. Why not take those negative feelings that are in the populace? Because, I mean, there was always articles on, like, boy, George, what is he? Is he a boy or a girl? What's going on? Is my kid going to be gay because they listen to do you really want to hurt me? Stupid crap like that. Why not have a heel character to just, you know, take that that fear, that misunderstanding there, and throw it in people's faces? Right. And I mean, there's a sign in front row, just flat out saying this too. And so I I think it would work in any era because unfortunately you're always going to have people that are against that. But then you look at someone like Goldust that's now seen as an icon. And I was going to say we're also missing. Because, uh, you know, is he canceled or not this week? Don't know. Velveteen Dream is a current one that's skirting the line on this. And they seem to have, like, never really pulled the trigger like they did with Adonis or Goldust. Like, they got so close to what this character might be, but never really went far enough with it. Yeah. Maybe for reasons. I don't know. Yeah, but... Dream being a takeoff of Prince, it's not a gay or straight thing. It's a I am a sexual being thing. Just look at me. I ooze sex. That sounded gross. <laughs> well, you might want to get that checked out by your doctor, Captain. <laughs> if you're oozing it. <laughs> All right. Why don't we move on? Um, so, so, educator, you know what time it is. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, baby. 
It is now time for the man in the main event. Who puts the man in the main event? It's Kevin Elliott. Who is the king of that nerd content? It's Kevin Elliott. Who has a Patreon to pay the rent? It's Kevin Elliott. Who used to work in a giant tent? Uh, Mr. Kevin Hellions, on last week's episode, I asked you how long you thought this match was. You said four minutes. Were you pleasantly surprised that the it's almost nine minutes long? Oh, I was. All right. So so our main event for tonight's Saturday night main event is Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart taking on the JYD, the Junkyard Dog, and Mr. Kevin Hellions. Take it away. All right. These are my actual show notes as I am watching the show uh, for this season of the show. I do know what match. Can, I, can I just say thank you for explaining that your show notes are notes that are taken during the show because the name doesn't give it away. <laughs> I mean, these are notes about the big show. I will take your commentary and hand it to the Department of Redundancy Department. Okay. Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart versus the Junkyard Dog. Mean Gene interviews Adrian and Jimmy Hart ahead of time. Jimmy Hart with a beard, and I do not mean Adrian. Adrian is flipping his scarf in the direction of JYD. We have a Junk the... I don't even know if I want to say it. Uh, junk the gay slander word here, slide in the front row. Uh, Vince points out Adonis's quote, sartorial splendor. Junkyard Dog flips Adrian uh, by the scarves. Uh, pretty much uh, eat, eat one into the post. Adrian flips backwards and ties himself into the ropes this is not really the andre spot he literally kind of flips backwards into it it was done very differently it was a very cool spot um and for his size dude he's gotta be like near 400 here he's over 350 for sure but see him do this move was impressive uh junkyard dog mocks adrian adonis uh flips him with uh you know like limp wrist mocking and stuff Don, uh, he flips him back into the ring. Donis is down. We have a two count. Junkyard Dog with a sort of leg lock thump thing. I wasn't quite sure what he was doing there and how to call it. Uh, Donis fights back and slaps Junkyard Dog, which seems like one of the bigger mistakes you could make in your life. Uh, Donis flips over the top turnbuckle to the floor. Again, an incredible spot. Agile bump for a man his size. Uh, Junkyard Dog headbutts Jimmy Hart who bumps into Adonis and then both of them crash onto the floor. Junkyard Dog continues to mock Adrian. I think there may have been like a commercial break here or something. Uh, Junkyard Dog pulls Adonis back into the ring but Jimmy Hart is hanging on so he pulls Jimmy Hart back into the ring along with him. Junkyard Dog tosses Jimmy Hart into Adrian and then both go over the top to the floor. Um, 
Jimmy is so worried about Adrian falling on top of him, it's actually really impressive how Jimmy Hart braces himself along the ring ropes and then the apron of the ring to control the bump to the floor. Uh, it's shown on the replay, and it was actually really cool. Um, Adonis rolls back into the ring. Junkyard Dog punches Adrian. We only get a two because the foot is on the rope. Uh, Jimmy Hart trips up JYD as he's coming across. Adrian is, distracts the ref, and Jimmy Hart ties Junkyard Dog's leg to the ropes, which I can't believe was not a DQ because clearly Junkyard Dog didn't tie his own foot to the ropes or a fan didn't jump in to do it, and the referee sees it, but just, you know, we let it go. Uh, he's choking JYD to keep him down. Adrian, uh, Adrian Hart again. The referee pulls Adrian Donis' hair to get him off the junkyard dog. Still only gets two count from all of these shenanigans. Donis picks up JYD for maybe a pile driver. I'm not quite sure what he's going for, but either way, when he picks up JYD, junkyard dog's legs kick up and he knocks the ref down. Adrian calls for Jimmy Hart. Junkyard dog reverses this, though. Uh, Adrian gets the... So, it, the megaphone hits Adrian instead. Junkyard Dog gets the pin. Um, Adrian Donis attacks Junkyard Dog after with the megaphone and knocks him down to the floor. And then Adrian flops around in the ring and throws a temper tantrum when the winner is announced as Junkyard Dog. And that has been your Kevin Hellions Man in the Main Event Breakdown. I'm super impressed with a lot of the bumps that Adonis took in this particular match, given his size. Um, he obviously had let himself go. He used to be a lot smaller and just, I guess, struggling with whatever demons he was dealing with uh, at this period in his life. He just had let himself drastically go. Yeah, absolutely. Easily 350, probably a lot closer to the 400 pound mark. And the, the bumps over the top rope, the double, uh, the first flop, the, the backflip flop where both of his arms get tied up into the rope so that JYD can attack him, uh, that was just crazy. And then the Jimmy Hart bump over the top with him and how well he was able to protect Jimmy Hart and Jimmy was able to avoid you know getting really hurt from this. Crazy. My big frustration with this match, um, the ref bump with the pile driver it was so obvious, like the referee standing right next to JYD's legs. Like it was super obvious that he was going to take a bump there uh, for this. One thing that that shocked me is when JYD's leg was tied into the ropes and and the second choking uh, that was happening. How the referee and I think it was Dave Hebner like grabbed Adonis by the hair and pulled him off and is like dragging him over the ring, and like the the Adonis's facials were so good during that particular spot in the match. Um, becoming a fan of Adonis's work certainly gone way too soon. I, he ended up dying uh, due to an accident. He was in an automobile accident in '88, so. He ends up finishing his WWF run after WrestleMania three in eighty seven, but dies uh, due to unexpected an unexpected wreck in eighty eight. So, yeah, some great bumps. The getting caught in the rope uh, with the arms, the Andre spot, the backwards Andre spot, whatever you want to call it, is fantastic. And I I don't think you could do that now because these ropes are a hell of a lot looser than oh, the yeah. Ropes, yeah. ropes you have now. It would be impossible almost to do now, but. 
Um, so that was our main event. So really, there's not much after that, but we do follow that up with Mean Gene getting an update on Hogan's condition from the doctor. Uh, and then they just kind of recap the night and uh, we are whisked away thanks to the I'm a Real American video once again. So uh, a, a double deuce for that one. So great job there. Um, and that's going to do it for Saturday night's main event number five. <laughs> I don't know how to end these because they just kind of abruptly end. You know, you, you get your main event with Kevin and then, you know, it's just over. It's over. Well, Kevin must pose. All right. So <laughs> speaking of Kevin must pose on next week's event, uh, oh, Saturday boy. night's main event six. Kevin, do oh, you want to know? Are you ready to work? Oh, yeah. Do you want to know what? Sure. You are I have going... not watched it yet. Okay. So the main event for Kevin's man in the main event is a two out of three falls tag team match for the WWF Tag Team Championship where we see. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik battle the British Bulldogs in what should be a fun as hell match. Sheiky baby in a two out of three. <laughs> You're going to be working hard that in night. In a two out of three. Yeah. <laughs> I can picture Bulldogs doing it. Okay. Who's going to work? Alert. Who do you think will work harder, Educator? The Iron Sheik or Kevin on these notes? <laughs> I make a humble. Um, and guys, I, all right, so we got to bring something back here because I think we got to have to update the Battle of the Big Men rankings next week. Oh, because I'm going to say a special attraction match is King Kong Bundy taking on Uncle Elmer. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I mean, why would you not want to come back next week and listen to the show? Watch the episode on the WWE Network, soon to be Peacock Network, and just enjoy it. It's 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 what you know what Mabel and Yokozuna were hoping to you know aspire to be better than. Yeah, it, it should be fun. It should be fun. Um, so I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Educator, anything you want to say out there to the people? Oh, just thanks every thank you again for everybody listening and their time. You know, tuning in, listening to our show. And again, please support the Retro Network and all the various offerings that they have. And I just want to say, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Maddie Treats. Once again, that's at uh, Maddie Treats, where we have a lot of fun. I want to thank you to the Retro Network for just being a gracious, gracious uh, a home for us on the Internet. That's fantastic. Thanks to all of our friends throughout the Internet. Crone Meltzer, At Odds with Wrestling. Um, everyone out there, you know, we love each and every one of you and I appreciate you and send me those AEW chase variant figures. Oh, and next week, guys, we have a huge monster update. I'm just going to tease it right there. A monster update. Kevin Hellions, take us home. All right. Thank you guys for another great show. Thank you to WWE Network for a couple more weeks. Uh, for the content, thank you to Retro Network for hosting us. Thank you to Richard Reader and Jason Gross for our logos. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow me online at Mass Library. MassLibrary.com is my home blog. Uh, and guys, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, should we all take one car to the hospital, check on Hogan? Really, while we're there, I think one of us should check in on Fuji, see if he's all right. Yeah, as long as we don't have to do it in the middle of the night while you're naked, Kevin.
This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.